This is Solomon Howard, and you're listening to the CVH Podcast. The CVH Podcast. I almost can't get that low. And my buddy Solomon. Uh, good morning. Thursday, May 13th. This is the CVH Podcast. Welcome. Uh, this is episode 60-something. Who cares? Um... Keeping up my bits today, although I am uh, surrounded by moving boxes, literally. Um, it, it's go time. It's go time for moving. Uh, this is like, this is really classic singer shit right here. Uh, you know, I had a year and a half of being home, where, or a year uh, of being home where I could have easily moved. Just effortlessly and and stress-free slow packing you know like just I could have gone through all of these things <laughs> uh over the last year uh but no I waited until <laughs> we were getting back to business and uh, work was starting back up and the jobs are coming and and I'm like oh hey let's uh, sell our house and move <laughs> uh but this is pretty classic singer stuff like can we make this work is this five minutes um, enough time to get this done and you just sort of have to do, uh, at some point, uh, the box has got to come out. There's nobody else that needs to traipse through here. Uh, all the inspectors and appraisers and termite people and all the other stuff that needs to happen to sell a house is done. So nobody else needs to come in here so I can effectively blow it up, which is really what's happening, uh, rapidly. Um, I don't know how many of you have moved. I'm going to assume most of you. It was a it was a lot easier when we were living in tiny apartments. The first apartment I ever had was 400 square feet, uh, and it was uh, just a studio. Um, you know, the kind of place where you could be in your bed, in the kitchen, and in the bathroom all at the same time. Uh, one of those, <laughs> one of those things. Uh, but it was mine, and I loved it. And and when it was time to move out of that place and move into the next place, it took about three minutes. You know, like. Open four boxes, dump everything in it, and get out of there. Um, it's a little more complicated now. Uh, once you have a big house, you have more stuff. Oh, it's so strange. You have more stuff, so you need a bigger house. You have a bigger house, you need more stuff. Like this is a, <laughs> this is a vicious thing. And uh, in classic CVH form, I bought a bigger house than this one. <laughs> what an odd thing. Um, it was the right place, though. Um, it was the right investment, I should say. It's certainly more than anybody needs, but um, um, the right investment. And in this time, in this crazy market, um, you're going to buy something that's expensive. You might as well make sure it's not overpriced. Uh, and that's what I did. And so the boxes are out. Uh, they're they're. Um, you feel like, okay, I need to decide if any of this shit needs to actually make it to the next place. There's a lot of that in your life. If you like stopped and went through all your closets and went through all your drawers and went through all your clothing. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at clothes and I go, all right, well, if I haven't worn it in the last five years, I'm probably not going to wear it. That should go. I, I, um, I have a, a, a trunk full of clothes going to Goodwill. I mean, it's, I have a big truck and the trunk is like, it's got more things in it going to Goodwill than, than they probably want. Uh, I put suits in there that still had tags on them. <laughs> oh, God. How many times have I been on the road and then I was like, oh, shit, I need a suit. You know, I always travel with one, but you haven't put it on in a while. And then you go, oh, 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 
I need a new, I need new pants. I've got to open these pants. <laughs> this is very classic where I've just immediately needed to go out and buy a suit or a tie or, oh, so many ties that I bought and only used once. And I never wear a tie. I don't even travel with a tie. But, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, I probably need a tie for this thing tonight. And then, you know, it's off to, off to go find a new tie. So I have tons of this stuff that I've only worn once or not worn at all. And so some lucky person who shops at Goodwill who also happens to be six foot five is about to score big time <laughs> a lot of suits I'm not kidding like five suits that still have the tags on them uh, yeah I went I went and got a bunch of suits a couple of years back um, uh, in anticipation of a couple of gigs and and uh, just never got you know I, I five suits I think I bought and um uh, I didn't get to three of them, so so their suits going back with tags on them, and the other two were might have been worn once. It's so classic. This is the kind of shit that will do people in. I have friends who've been using the same suit for ten years, <laughs> just one. Guys get away with this stuff. We don't have to have a, a different dress each time. The, the women in our business, it's it's really really unfortunate because people remember they look amazing, and so the people remember what they wore, and there's a photo taken and. And uh, a lot of female singers won't wear things twice. I I'm, I know that, and that's a goddamn. That's an expensive proposition. And I'm not a fancy suit guy. I don't go get custom made suits or anything. Like uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll figure something else out. I'm, it's not that I'm cheap. It's just like a black suit looks really good. You don't need to go crazy and and have some kind of crazy label on the inside. Nobody can tell. I'm not that fancy. <laughs> But I thought I'd take my break here this morning and do the podcast because I refuse to let it go. Got to keep it going. And, and Paris is definitely happening and we're going to be out there soon and I'm, I'm going to have all my friends in and everybody's feeling a lot less restricted with, the, with, the, um, with COVID restrictions and things are being lifted and life's getting back to normal. Although Paris would still like me to quarantine for seven days, even though I'm fully inoculated. Uh, they would like me to... Uh, get there and quarantine a full seven days, uh, which is pretty rough. I'm kind of hoping that'll change before they need me there. But as of right now, the the uh, official policy is um, seven-day quarantine. But sort of classic French form, there's a million rules and then nobody's actually following them and nobody's actually enforcing them. So I'm not, uh, you know, you got to take these things serious. But, um, you know, I'm in the middle of uh, closing two houses right here. And uh, going a week early is just literally going to be impossible. So I'm going to have to work out something where I uh, uh, start my quarantine, my mandatory seven-day quarantine late. Uh, it's just the way it's going to be on this gig. I hate being the guy late. I really do. I don't like to do it. Um, my my whole career I have um, arrived at gigs on time only to find out that uh, the tenor and the soprano aren't going to be there for another week or the maestro for that matter too plenty of plenty of gigs where the maestro comes and goes three times in the course of a rehearsal process and uh, I really make great efforts to not be that guy because it, it makes me nuts a little bit we've all just you know we've all agreed to be here on this certain day and we're gonna make this work and we're gonna make this art and and you know it's not the singer's fault. It's not the maestro's fault. Companies are willing to deal with it. And and uh, a great intendant one time told me, he said, uh, I would rather have my favorite singer late than my second favorite singer on time, which makes perfect sense. And so you sort of have to uh, deal with these things. And I think uh, this will be my turn to be <laughs> for somebody to be forgiving and deal with it. <laughs> I really don't like to do it. It, it bugs me. Uh, but, you know, the the further this career goes and the more... Um, 
you know, in demand is kind of a ridiculous thing to say, but but the more the more um, companies are looking for you, the more chances are likely that you're going to overlap with your last gig. And if the company's willing to deal with it, you'll deal with it. And there's been plenty of times where you um, get off the plane, go right to rehearsal in progress, and, and uh, that happens. I, I try not to, but it it's unfortunately uh, been happening more in the last couple of years. Just the way it is. A couple of days is okay. A week is pushing it. Uh, you know, a couple of days is fine. I, I, I don't expect any tenor there on day one, ever. <laughs> You're always going to wait two or three days on the tenor. <laughs> What a crazy thing trying to coordinate these schedules between opera companies. And, and the companies are good about it. The companies will stay in contact and will work out um, the travel things and and, and try and compromise uh, with each other in regards to an artist, which is really uh, very helpful. Um, I, I find that everybody's uh, uh, certainly doing their part to try and make it work. Uh, and so you need to you need to bring the same effort. Uh, and, and if you're going to show up late, you better be prepared. Boy, you better be prepared. I, I you know, The few times that I've done it, and I roll in a couple days late, the first thing I do is go around and apologize to everyone, because <laughs> that's just me. I can't not, I can't not uh, uh, apologize, because that person late just sort of starts with um, just general disdain from the, <laughs> from the rest of the room. Like, you're so fancy, you can be late, fuck you. <laughs> and so I go around and and humble myself before all my colleagues. Uh, uh, and then the second thing I make sure of is that um, I'm more prepared than anyone so that uh, the jump in or, or the late start uh, at least makes sense. Uh, they'll go, okay, he was worth the wait. He's ready. He's, he's working hard. Uh, that kind of thing. It's funny, all these little things that, that they don't really get into. Uh, you got to just learn this stuff on the road. You got to learn these things um, by doing them, by making these uh, mistakes and choices, and I, I, one of the one of the earliest gigs I ever had was a um, Rosen Cavalier at the Lyric Opera of Chicago, and I was just singing the Polizei Commissar. And for those of you who have not enjoyed Strauss yet, it's effectively impossible to learn, <laughs> especially if you're a dummy like me. Uh, you can count all you want, um, you can rehearse with the piano all you want, but all of a sudden that orchestra gets in there and the beat just just um, melts into this lugubrious form of of um, textures, much like Debussy. You go, fuck. Where am I? Where I don't recognize that at all. What is that? I don't recognize that at all. Do I, was I supposed to sing? You know, and then all of a sudden, because it's some of it's so chatty, you just missed it. <laughs> Your entrance went by. You're pretty sure you should have come in, and you didn't. Uh, and, and that was one of the earliest gigs, and there I am trying to like fight my way through this role. And he comes in so late in the evening. And um, during one of the earliest rehearsals, um, I was given some direction. You roll in, you you, you land over here, and uh, you know don't just uh, stand guard until uh, until this part. You know something like that, something really innocuous. And so I did exactly what I was told. But uh, in that time that I was waiting there. Uh, uh, the the lovely and famous mezzo soprano Susan Graham was behind me hiding uh, in a in a in a four post bed you know that had kind of had a curtain and she was hiding in there and uh, she was making sporadic uh, entrances with her lines you know like open the curtain sing your line and go well <laughs> the gigantic polizei commissar was standing right in front of her like <laughs> directly between her and the maestro and the opera house and just covering, just covering. And, and I'm so young and so new to it all and just so enamored to be 
even in the show. I just was going to do exactly as I was told and not and not make any <laughs> executive decisions that you get to make later on in your career. At that point, you just do what you're told. And um, I did exactly what I was told and then suddenly realized that the most uh, famous American mezzo was, <laughs> was um, singing to the back of my neck. And even then, I still didn't do... <laughs> I still didn't do anything and she was so sweet and she was so nice and she could have been <laughs> none of those things but she was she's just a genuinely good human being and uh, she said my name which was really sweet because I was I was pretty well sure she didn't know it and she said my name and she said Christian will, will you just be so nice and just just move off a little bit to the right so that when I sing I can I can see the maestro I mean it was the, just the politest nicest way she could have put it because really she could have said uh dumb dumb get the fuck out of my way <laughs> uh, but she was so sweet about it and and of course I learned my uh, a very uh, easy lesson that day I it could have been that could have been pretty rough uh, but she she was that was the first time somebody had said hey don't stand between me and the maestro or the audience uh, <laughs> they came here to see me not you <laughs> Which is which is exactly what the situation was, and and uh, that was kind of a fun and easy way to learn that, because she was so sweet and doesn't carry that giant ego like so many, uh, and just politely asked me to get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> Nobody tells you that stuff. You got to learn that. You got to learn the the dynamics of the room, and and um, uh, you know we we, we had. Um, um, it was uh, another performance of uh, Don Giovanni early on, and Brent Terrafo was the Don Giovanni, and he I, he was at least a week late. Uh, you know, that's how that goes. You got a superstar, they're going to be late. And and he rolled in uh, the first day that he did get there. I mean, he was basically still wearing golf clothes. Like, he still had the cleats on. <laughs> they had, like, dirt in them. And it was clear that he had left a golf course, got on a plane, and came to Chicago. And... Um, I mean, he could do that. He could get away with that. But, you know, if, if you're going to be late, you should probably humble yourself a little bit and don't an, don't announce that you just left the golf course. <laughs> oh, you learn what to do and what not to do in these situations. And, and he could do it, so it doesn't really matter. But he should have he should have come over to all of us and said, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do what I just did. <laughs> Oh, but I did learn a lot that first year, and and uh, and Susan really uh, uh, held my hand through that moment because it, it really could have been a get the hell out of the way, and she said it so nicely and so so uh, apologetically almost, and uh, I kept that with me I, because it happens all the time. You get a, a young singer in their first gig, and they're just they're 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 not anticipating sight lines at all. They're just trying to hit their cue. They're trying to do what they're told and sound amazing and hit their cue, and they and they forget that sometimes. Uh, you know, you have colleagues and there's a stage balance and, and you need to keep it. Uh, boy, the early years are fun. They're fun. If you can, if you can just laugh at yourself and, and enjoy them, uh, uh, you're going to be fun. You'll be fine. Uh, I had a, I had a funny situation, not funny situation, but I overheard a funny conversation and, uh, it, it like gave me serious pause. And I was at the gym, and you know I've talked about these young kids that are always at the gym, the bros, and 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 um, there's a couple of girls mixed in, and they're and they're just young, and we were all dicks when we were young, and so why should they be any different? And and I and and sometimes they bother me, and and oftentimes I just have to let it go, because I remember being young, and, and then I um you know we were all sort of 
huddled in a corner using different equipment and I and they weren't trying to hide a conversation. It was very open and, and loud and it was two guys and one of the girls and they, they can't be much more than 21, 22, 23. And they're just sort of talking. Uh, they're being self-deprecating in a way, which I always appreciate, but um, it was at their future prospects. And these don't look like, you know, people without uh, futures. They, they're, you know, they're all young and good-looking and taking care of themselves. And, and um, you know, they, I see them there every day. They're clearly very motivated people and, uh, you know, out of school but not really sure what to do. And, and uh, the one girl who doesn't look like somebody, uh, you know, you can't judge. I can't judge a book by a cover. But but she works hard in the gym and she and she's um, not unattractive and, and uh, it seems to be very friendly and everybody likes her and all those things. But she said, guys, I, I think I'm going to uh, join the army, which was kind of a surprise. Um, uh, I mean, you know, women join the, join the uh, uh, armed forces all the time and I, and I love it and I think it's great. Um, but she sort of said it like, well, I don't know what else to do, so I think I'll just do that. And then the other guy chimed in and he was going on and on about how maybe he should keep training so that he can go into the WWE and and be a wrestler. And it wasn't it wasn't said in jest. It wasn't like a funny thing. It was like, "Oh man, if I could only just pump up, then then I would be a wrestler and then everything would be fine." And like these like the dichotomy of this conversation where somebody's getting really real, like, "I don't know what to do." I think I'll go into the armed forces because they could probably use me and that could be an adventure and, and that would give me some focus. And the other guy was just like living in the clouds like I'm going to be a professional wrestler. Now look, I live in the clouds too. I, I wanted to be a professional singer and, and it worked out. But um, somehow professional wrestler, you're just going to have to be a lot bigger than this guy is. <laughs> not to say he couldn't get there. I'm not trying to judge. It was just like this eye-opening conversation of people who were living a little bit in fantasy and a little bit in sad reality and they were discussing this together and uh it it was just eye-opening I don't I don't remember those conversations when I was young I was just trying to like so focused on what I wanted to do I never thought what should I do um or or had some ridiculous idea. Now, look, being a singer is a ridiculous idea, but at least it had been done before by people I met. And, and I, and I saw the, you know, I was, the path was laid out for me. I I could see just exactly uh, what needed to happen for it to be possible. And, and, you know, this guy, while having a lofty dream, didn't really have a plan or, or wasn't really necessarily talking about somebody who was um, guiding him. It was just like, I'm going to do this. Uh, you know, contrast that with with the with the young girl who's who's like, I, I guess I'm just going to go into the army, and I, I, I just couldn't help but to feel like COVID really fucked over a younger generation. Um, those those kids fresh out of high school, just starting college, and then they were home learning. You know, a lot of them were living back in their parents' house. Maybe they had been in a dorm. Now they're back in a, in their parents' house, and they and they just did this home learning online horseshit, you know, like uh, how could you ever be motivated to do well in school if you're looking at a computer screen all day? I just, I would have been terrible at this. I really would have been terrible at this. And there were plenty of classes that I'd go in and fall asleep in. Uh, you know, not, not everything is like got your interest, but at least you're on campus. You get the feeling of, of learning and advancing and, and you, 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 
you're with your your friends and other classmates and you just sort of have this sense of we're all working. But if you're just home in your room and you're looking at your computer with all your distractions, it would be really difficult to stay motivated to go into a field. You're like, there is no field. I'm staring at a computer. What field is there? You know, at least in college, you could meet with a professor who was, you know, a paleontologist and you could sort of have his experience with him and 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 be a part of something that you could see down the road. Like, I'm going to get into that later. You could be inspired in a way. And I really, just this whole year, I... I um, uh, I felt a lot worse for the for the young kids, and for as much as they annoy me because they they crash weights and luxuriate all their bullshit all around, I really thought, all right, you know what, the, uh, this is a hard time for them. Just let if they're blowing off steam in the gym, let them do it. That's good. At least they're here, you know, and and um, uh, taking care of themselves. I know when I was twenty one, I was not in any gym, definitely not in any gym. Uh, so you know, it's to them that they're they're clearly people who know how to do something regularly towards an end. Uh, so I have I have hope for them, but but it's a it's a tough spot. I would not want to be uh, any young person in college or a young singer or trying to trying to figure out uh, this road when the when the road is really unclear. Uh, anyway, it was a little eye opening. Something to break my monotony from uh, packing and worrying and packing and worrying and watching the stock market and packing and worrying. <laughs> uh episode 61 I believe Thursday May 13th I love you for listening you know that you know that uh, everybody have a great weekend and uh, we'll see you on Monday alright that's it thanks everybody bye I wish I could do better by you cause that's what you deserve you sacrifice so much of your life in order for this to work. While I'm off chasing my dreams, sailing around the world, please know that I'm yours to keep my beautiful girl. To sing my beautiful girl